0: in the Harvest. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Now, your host, Kevin Folger.
1: Hello and welcome back to Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger and I'm continuing on my conversation this week with uh, missionary Bob Mack, missionary to the Ivory Coast Center of the Cleveland Baptist Church. Bob, we were talking about uh, the multifaceted ministry that God's given to you there in the Ivory Coast uh, in our last episode, and we kind of left with the the, uh, village ministry that was basically uh, medical missions, kind of opened that up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything else that you guys are doing? I think you've got some schools going on and things, don't you?
0: We anticipate opening schools. Um, We have a young man that's currently uh, continuing in his preparation who would like to come out and and work through our local churches to open up Christian schools there. Um, That's really a different context out there than it is here in the States. Um, Opening a Christian school is is very, very favorable in the Ivory Coast, and uh, we look forward to doing that. And As well, we've opened a
1: new Bible Institute and Seminary for training men for the ministry. Okay, and um, you're about ready to um, open a new church building, as I recall, there in mm-hmm. in Bangerville. It's a church building that's taken a while to get done, just because of what it's cost and the time involved. That's involved, but you also have a beautiful education building, mm-hmm. and uh, that's all on the on the Bangerville property. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I, uh, having been your pastor and uh, now a colleague in the ministry because I'm no longer the pastor of the church, Um, I know that you've had some unusual experiences as a missionary in the sense that, uh, you know, some things have happened in those 25 years that have been a little bit unusual. And one was the birth of your youngest son, Luke? And uh, can you just kind of explain kind of what happened and how that, that transpired?
0: Well, Becky, uh, went into labor on a Wednesday evening and, uh, you know, I offered to take her right into the hospital right then and there. And, you know, she felt like, no, it was way too early. She wanted to wait, but unfortunately as that night went on, uh, there was a coup attempt in Abidjan to take over the government. And as well, there were attempts to neutralize the military bases in Bouaké and Corhogo. This was September 19th of, um, of 2000, I'm sorry, 2002. And so uh, what that provoked was that the city of Abidjan was completely sealed off. Nobody could get in or get out. And that's where all of our health care was. And uh, we tried getting some help from the little bit of health care that we had in Bangerville at that period of time. Uh, But when it finally came down to it uh, late that night on on September 19th, it it just became clear that I was going to have to deliver this baby myself, uh, which really is funny because I'm, I have no problem with people that want to do home deliveries. I'm just not amongst them. <laughs> uh, I take great consolation and confidence in pristine white, clean tiles and antiseptic smells and, uh, so on and so forth. But, um, it was necessary that Becky and I do that uh, in our home that evening. And, uh, the Lord really blessed with that because, um, Uh, Luke was born uh, just as the books I I was studying said that he should be. And uh, as well, my wife Becky was absolutely amazing the way she uh, was able to control
1: the birth process given that there was much we did not know. Right. Well, and then, of course, I think even as uh, you're um, delivering your son, there's gunfire. Is that correct? You could hear off in the distance. uh...
0: Yeah, throughout the day we had, because uh, Banjerville is just a few kilometers from Abidjan, and there's even a military base that's in between the two. And so uh, we had heard artillery uh, throughout uh, that morning and afternoon going into the evening. We were under curfew. Things were very strict at at that point
1: in time. Yeah. Right. Well, again, I uh, I well remember that because uh, as you're sending pastor, of course, uh, you know, the phone call came and said, hey, you know, really need to pray. And and uh, that was quite unusual. And and I just uh, think about how good God is in yes. helping us in our, our times of need. Now, you also have uh, another daughter, and uh, Morgan is her name. Mm-hmm. And Morgan uh, is a special young lady. She was born with Down syndrome. And um, so was she, was she born on the Ivory Coast or was she born here when you guys were in furlough?
0: No, she was born in the Ivory Coast, uh, May 30th of 1997. Um, So we had been in the Ivory Coast uh, a little bit less than two years. And uh, we were able to see, you know, uh, a good OBGYN who'd worked with us throughout the pregnancy and who was then on hand to help us with
1: the delivery when that time came. Okay. And Morgan's how old now? 23. 23. Okay. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Morgan's got a sweet personality. She's, she's just very, very loving. And she's had some medical problems. And I know those are just some things that as a missionary, you know, besides just some of the, the other issues you have to contend with, uh, you know, just one more thing. But God has given you guys grace with that. And it's amazing to watch is how that all, uh, God has uh, helped you through all those things. And uh, certainly, I think it's just another reason why, uh, you know, we continue to pray for our missionaries and the great needs that they have uh, in their life. You know, it's, Uh, We we think of things that we contend with here, but then you add uh, being in a third world country where sometimes things don't always go as they plan. They don't always go as they plan here, but then you you add that whole dimension. Um, Anything in particular that, uh, you know, about uh, that particular need that maybe as uh, folks are listening, they can pray for you guys?
0: Well, with Morgan, since she has Down syndrome, uh, you know, that chromosomal abnormality does tend to to wreak havoc on her health from time to time. Right now, her uh, her blood pressure stays really very low, like about 85 over 55, mm. and we work very hard to keep her hydrated. We work very hard to do what we can to help elevate that pressure as much as we can. But it makes her pretty lethargic and um, you know kind of difficult to motivate from time to time. And so uh, that's a big thing. You know, if folks pray for her by way of her blood pressure, that that could could go up a little bit. That's very helpful. She has neurogenic bladder, which means my wife has to cath her uh, four or five times a day. And that gets pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, Our daughter Marilyn uh, has helped out tremendously that way. Oftentimes Morgan will go and spend some time with Marilyn. And Marilyn is knowledgeable and equipped for taking care of the cathing needs. And Mm -hmm. so uh, she's able to do that. But, um, you know, it's just a a matter uh, of helping Morgan with the individual physical problems that come up
1: and... And, and and helping her in, in the midst yeah. of that. Well, I'm sure that, again, given the time, we could discuss a lot of the, the things that God has brought you through. But some of the trials that we go through, Brother Bob, prepare us for, for what God has for us in the future. So uh, how can you see that God has worked in some of these areas to help you with what you're doing now? Well, you have to constantly remember that uh, we should
0: not view people as a means of operating our programs, but we should have our programs in an effort to help people. Um, seeing Morgan, uh, for example, and the needs that she has growing up, it it opens your eyes and it causes you to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on around you. And when you see other people that might be experiencing the same things, it, it causes you to open up to them and to, to want to do what you can to be of help to them. Uh, you work in a third world country, you know, the health circumstances there are, 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 sometimes just horrific. And um, having worked with a special needs child that has both uh, physical and mental uh, difficulties, uh, I think uh, has given us a great deal of patience. Uh, Not that the people of Ivory Coast necessarily have both physical and mental difficulties, but They're working in such an impoverished society and uh, in a society that has not advanced at the same level as ours has. And as well, coming from an animist background, we certainly can't anticipate, you know, biblical understanding. And I think it's given us a a great deal of patience to be able to work
1: with the the Ivorian people and and allow the Lord to do what he's going to do with them. Well, you know, the Bible says we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't mean all things are good, but God is able to weave those together in our life to help us, to you know, um, to prepare us for things that we deal with, and there's no question about that. <laughs> I wanted to ask a little bit about the Ivory Coast because I'm familiar with the the, the field, having been there, not spent a lot of time there, but I know in, in rehearsing with you what God, God is doing there and what has happened there, uh, that there has been, in some respects, a depletion of, of American missionaries in the country. And, um, you, there, I think, as I recall, you shared with me that at a point you guys were the only American independent Baptist missionaries. Is that correct, or of, of our kind of our stripe that we're, were there?
0: Yeah, since 1994, there's been 30 independent Baptist missionaries that have left the Ivory Coast wow. for
1: various reasons. Now, and, when we say 30, are we talking about 30 families or individuals, or would it be... Uh, well, a,
0: 30, what we would refer to as a missionary unit. unit okay. uh, most okay. of those would be families. Okay. Uh, there have been some wow. single folk as well. Right. Um, but 30 that have left, and um, at this point in time, uh, Christine McLaughlin and my family—we are the only BIMI missionaries in the Ivory Coast at this point in time. There is an older couple with in um, th- a family with Baptist World Missions uh, in other areas of the country, mm-hmm. so that would make three of us.
1: Okay, so there's we we saw this so to speak depletion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 was there something that you think that just kind of precipitated that? Was it just the difficulty of the field, or or what? What could you? Is there any one particular thing that you can kind of say? Mm, this is the, one of the reasons why we're, we saw some folks leave. If
0: I had to, if I had to determine one factor, it would be this: that oftentimes missionaries are being sent to the field without having really proven themselves in their own local churches. Hmm. And I really am encouraging pastors and churches to think about this. If you're going to ordain somebody and authorize them to go to the mission field, it is logical that you would have observed them over some period of time to ensure that, yes, they do indeed have the the talents and the abilities and the God-given necessities for such a ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, as I mentioned in the earlier podcast, I had anticipated a one-year internship here that turned into four at the time i was exceedingly frustrated with that as i felt it was prohibiting me from getting to the field mm-hmm. but honestly today i would say that's probably one of the major reasons why we're still on the field yeah. um churches that want to send missionaries out should do everything within their power to have those missionaries work within the context of their church over a period of time so that they can observe them and help them
1: prepare for the mission field i totally agree with that i um you know, as I'm thinking about your life, I'm thinking, okay, you graduate in 1981. You don't get to the the mission field until September of 1995. That's a 14 year process. Mm-hmm. And and yes, you know, we say, okay, well, four years of college, and then you know, but in your case, it was four years of college, and then some extended college, then a then a process of of you know, spending some time in an internship, uh, then the deputation. All of it, you know, was so vitally important as we look at the overall impact of what God's enabled you to do in the Ivory Coast. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we just want to rush that process. And I don't know that that's a good thing. And um, in, in fact, it's already been attributed in some respects to some of the folks that have left. Certainly, if you're a pastor listening and you have folks that are talking about the mission field or young people that are talking about the mission field, let me implore you as a man who's been decades in ministry in one church that... You know, just make sure that you're being thorough. in. And, and if you see red flags in the life of that that family, nobody's perfect. Uh, but if you see red flags of character, uh, lack of character develop or lack of spiritual maturity, that must be dealt with before they leave for the field. There's no question about that. Um, so what's God doing now? Because I know there's kind of a resurgence. There's kind of, a, looks like there's folks that are heading to the Ivory Coast to, to, to be a part of what God is doing there.
0: Well, we you know we have students for a long time that we really do need help, um, especially with the Bible and Student Seminary. Uh, we're having to do modular classes now, given that we don't have a sitting faculty, and so it, it would be such a help to be able to have enough missionaries and enough national pastors to establish a permanent faculty and transition into a semester format. Um, as well, we just we want more missionaries out there to to plant more churches and to help the 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 works to grow. And so, for about the last ten years or so, I've been working very hard to have college groups come out and church groups come out and just to show them the possibilities, to show what how the Lord is working in the Ivory Coast, how how easy it is to work in the Ivory Coast, how open it is. And uh, the Lord has begun to bless. There's a couple that's heading out on deputation next month to come to the Ivory Coast. There's another couple that is already on deputation to come to the Ivory Coast. And uh, our son is going out in, in 2022 on deputation. A couple others that have expressed interest and may well uh, begin the process of coming out as well, and so we're very thankful for that.
1: Well, it's wonderful to see as God again begins to, to to do that work in in bringing some folks alongside, and again a good foundation has been laid. Well, we're going to wrap this up, Brother Bob, and uh, as we're wrapping up, is there just maybe just a word of challenge to our listeners? Maybe somebody's listening today, and, and they're saying, you know, I. I've that maybe God is stirring in my heart in the realm of missions. What, what would you say to an individual like that that maybe would help them in kind of defining the call or just a word of challenge maybe to a pastor who maybe is even sensing that God is maybe moving them to a mission field?
0: Well, if, if I were pastoring uh, somebody who felt that the Lord might be directed into the mission field, Uh, I would would want to sit down with that individual and, and begin a process of getting them involved today in what's transpiring in his local church, and then begin looking down the future as to what training would be necessary and what the church could offer by way of an internship uh, and just be very deliberate. Uh, again, we, we talked to the failure rate in the Ivory Coast, you know, for a lot of times it, it was just clear there was a family member that wanted nothing to do with being in West Africa. Mm-hmm. See, a decision was made somewhere that was not in harmony with the call to that field. Right. And so, uh, just good involvement with that candidate walk with that candidate through his college training, walk through that candidate with an internship in the church, help that candidate with life decisions to bring them to the field. And I I honestly believe that through that local church context, uh, we can definitely
1: raise the success rate as far as missionaries staying on the field. Well, Bob, I want to thank you for being my guest for the last three episodes. It's been a joy to spend some time with you. Of course, we spend time together as we see each other in church these days. But, uh, you know, just to sit down and have these conversations about the work that God is doing. And that's really what this podcast is all about. For those who are listening, you would know that my whole intent on having uh, this podcast called Labors in the Harvest is to speak to those who are involved in laboring the Lord's harvest. Uh, there are going to be times when we bring laymen in who are involved in their local church. But you know, primarily, we're, we're looking at those who are in full-time ministry because everybody's got a story and God has taken us all on a journey. And so we're grateful for uh, Bob, for you and your family, and we should be praying for you guys as you're finishing up your furlough. Your youngest son goes away to college this year. That's got to be—it's got to be, it's gotta be a, a little bit different for you and Becky as you uh-huh. think about going back to the field and uh, be you and Becky and Morgan going back. And uh, we sure know that God's got a work still to do. And. Uh, we don't know how much time we have before the Lord comes, but we know, uh, you know, we're to labor till He gets uh, till He comes, and, and or until the Lord takes us home. So, Bob, thanks again, folks. Thank thanks you. for listening. Thanks for being a part of Laborers in the Harvest. And again, if you take a few moments to uh, leave a rating, subscribe, and share this with others, we sure would appreciate it. God bless you, and it's our joy to be with you. And I look forward to you joining us again next week for Laborers in the Harvest.
0: Thank you for listening today. We hope that you have been encouraged by today's podcast. If you have been helped, we want to encourage you to subscribe and to share. Please feel free to leave us a comment. If you want to know more about Kevin Folger and the ministry, please visit his ministry at KevinFolger.com. We invite you to join us again next time for more Laborers, in the harvest.